Greetings, fellow adventurers. Today, we're delving into the captivating story of Isabel Hilgendag, a young explorer whose thirst for knowledge matches her passion for adventure. From conquering the Pacific Crest Trail to immersing herself in solo travels across the globe, Isabel's journey is nothing short of extraordinary. But what sets her apart is her insatiable curiosity fueled by an extensive academic life. Join me as we unravel Isabel's tales of wanderlust, academic pursuits, and the liberating embrace of van life on this episode of the Fact Up Podcast. Isabel, first of all, I would like to thank you so much for taking the time today to join me on the Fact Up Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. You know, there's a lot of negativity in the world, and every time you open up your phone or your computer, there's a lot of negative stuff. I wanted to get you on this podcast because, well, you are an inspiration, and I love what you've done, and I cannot wait to read more of what you plan to do. Um, you are an inspiration for those who dare to dream. I guess my first question is, for those um, who don't know, talk a bit more about that Pacific Crest Trail. What inspired you to hike it, much less do it alone? Yeah, so to start off, the Pacific Crest Trail is this really big trail in the, the United States. And so it starts at the California-Mexican border and then goes all the way through California, Oregon, and Washington, all the way to Canada. And it's like called the Crest Trail because you're going on the whole mountain range that spans upon those three states. And so, yeah, it's just this giant adventure. And I don't know, I first heard about it um, when I was doing my bachelor's degree. And a friend told me about it. She was really into like hiking and backcountry camping and or really enjoyed those things as well. And um, yeah, ever since hearing about it, it was kind of just lodged, lodged in my mind as something I really wanted to do. And so, um, yeah, so finally last summer, I finally had the opportunity to do it. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just go for it. I'm going to try it because um, I've been thinking about doing it for many years. And I, it had always been on my bucket list. And then I finally like put the time aside to, to go for it. So, yeah, it's... Um, just an amazing adventure in this big hike. And yeah, as someone who just loves like nature and outdoors and just like, I really wanted to see like sort of that nomadic lifestyle. And I really wanted to see like, also like if I have what it takes to do that and um, just to experience what it'd be like to kind of like be sort of outside of civilization and just like, you know, rely on your own survival instincts and um, yeah, just to hike this, this giant trail. <laughs> And you did it solo. It, did you just did you just stop caring about whether your friends were going to get back to you? Um, is there any friends that you have that don't want to do it? What made you do it solo? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have been traveling solo a lot um, just because, yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, you can't rely on other people. Like everyone has like different things going on. So for people to also set that kind of time aside and also money as well, like it's if you're waiting around for that, you're going to be waiting for a long time. And I'm someone who's just like, you know, I want to do it. I'm going to go for it, even though sure, like going long could be scary, but um, I really want this experience. So I'm just going to go for it. So, yeah, I, I did it solo and um, which is also great because it opens up the opportunity to meet many other people, which I did. I made a lot of like um, amazing friendships along the way. And not that you can't do that with someone else, but it definitely puts you more um, out there. Absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of people don't focus on when they want to do something like that solo it's the it's the people that you meet and the faith that you have in humanity that you will meet good people along the way and i feel like that's a big misconception for those who um kind of hesitate to travel solo mm -hmm. right? yeah that's true yeah exactly and like yeah because it can be scary you know being on your own and stuff but like when you travel alone like of course there are times where it's just like ah, like i don't know how it's gonna go but 
if you just go in with like no expectation, like you're all, um, most often going to meet um, amazing people and all kinds of different people in different places. Do you realize how special that is to have that perception? Because a lot of people don't have that perception. It's, it's a lot of fear and it's a lot of apprehension, which then they talk themselves out of doing something that they initially wanted to do in the first place. Yeah, so true. Honestly, yeah, I, I really encourage people to just, if you have something you want to do, just go for it. Like, um, yeah, it's just trust in the goodness. I, I think also for me, I mean, I don't look at the news too often. So maybe I'm more naive in terms of like, you know, just trusting that, you know, everything's gonna be great. Like, obviously, things can happen. But I don't know, I just I guess I always just trust in the good of people. And and so far, it's gotten me um, pretty far. So <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I wish that to continue. I, that's, that's awesome. Um, to prepare for something that intense, what was that, that, what was that preparation like? Yeah, so I, so one of the first resources I sort of relied on was um, called Yogi Specific Press Trail Handbook. And it's really helpful if you have, like, you're really new to like through hiking and like doing like big hikes like that. So it really was um, helpful in like kind of learning more about the trail. Of course, it's also daunting because this trail covers such variety of landscapes and terrains. And um, it's just like hard to figure out when you're first trying to plan for it, like, what kind of gear do I need? Like, how is this going to go? Like, what if I'm, you know, you're trying to get everything ready beforehand because once you're out there, um, you know, you want to make sure you have everything you need with you because you don't know what, what accessibility is um, if you need to get something else. And so um, there are, so first thing, like I had the handbook and then I also, um, the Pacific Crest Trail Association website has a lot of really great resources. Um, so definitely um, that's a great thing to check out. Um, there's awesome. also another blog called Halfway Anywhere, which I found very helpful as well. It's from someone who had hiked it several times, um, and they have a lot of um, good information on there as well. Um, but yeah, so like to get ready for this, I also got, you have to get like a permit, uh, typically, like a long distance permit if you plan to do oh. the whole thing. Oh, yeah, but it, okay. it's a free permit, but you have, it's just, you got to get it just so that um, the Pacific Coast Trail Association kind of knows who's on the trail, like how many people they're trying to also regulate to make sure like not too many people are, are on the trail at the same time or like starting at the same time so the permits are usually released in november and in january and so when i finally decided um, i just gotten back from a road trip at the time and i finally decided i'm going to go for it and then i find out that i missed the first round of permit release dates and i was like oh no but um thankfully there was a second release date in january and so i was thankfully um got a permit and so, um, yeah, so I got that. And then I also, um, there's different ways that you can plan on like resupplying for food. And so I wasn't sure how that would all go. Cause so you can start anywhere from March 1st to May 31st. That's kind of the time that you the can window. start this trail. If you're mm -hmm. starting at the Mexican border, just because of, um, you definitely don't want to be hiking in the desert in like June or July. So that's why they had kind of have this window. Um, and also just for like water, natural water sources, like, you know, they kind of start to dry up as you get later into the season. And so um, since I was for my permit, I got one that was available like May uh, 21st. And so that's kind of like already later in the hiker season. So I was kind of worried because what I had read online is that later during the season, usually when you get to towns to resupply, a lot of the good food stocks have already been kind of like bought out from hikers and like, ahead of you. And so sometimes it can be a gamble. So I was really kind of worried about that. So that's why I decided to prepare a bunch of like resupply packages. So like here, like in Ontario, while I was at home, I like got a bunch of food, kind of prepared some packages um, that I would then get sent to certain post offices along the way. And so, um, yeah, so like I, I did kind of did that beforehand. And then um, as I was hiking, like 
at least I had that as a reliable source. But then as I went on, like, I realized um, that usually in towns, like the stores were still well stocked. So I kind of like held off on some of the packages and just kind of bought things as I went. Um, because mm-hmm. last year was also kind of a, um, there was a lot of like, it was a tough year to hike the trail just because a lot of like um, weather and a lot of like climate um, mm-hmm. challenges, I guess. So a lot of people decided not to hike the trail. So last year was like a lower uh, lower number of hikers that were actually doing it. So I guess that kind of like worked in my in my favor. But um, sure. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wow. And then there's the tr- and then there's the training. <laughs> yes, exactly. The yeah. Physical and then, mental training. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's another thing. Like, um, so like, maybe I should have worked out a bit more beforehand because it's like really busy because you're you know you're working, like you're trying to um, prepare everything. And then also like you've got to get yourself ready physically as well. Um, so I would um I'm, I'm very fond of walking. I mean as you can assume since I've done this this hike so I would just go on like long walks and I would have like a backpack on like with weights in it just to kind of get my body sort of used to that like physical strain um and then yeah, I would like do some cardio workout or some like workouts when I could um but I definitely like um could have been more physically prepared but also I had already intended to start slow and so um for anyone who wants to do this trail and you're like not very like in good physical shape like of course like do what you can beforehand but if you just can't just start the trail and start really slow like I started going like like I did between 8 and 12 miles per day so like around like 10-15 kilometers mm-hmm. just started really slow let my body kind of acclimatize and get used to like the weight on my back um, and then progressively you'll, your body's just going to get used to it and get more fit and like by the end like you can do over 40 kilometers and it's fine <laughs> So. Right. And it, and that's what people I think overlook. It's one step at a time. You you yeah. know, it's not an A to B. It's an A, A1, A2, A3. It's just little by little over time. And then you build up that stamina. You build that that, that mental stamina to kind of um, accomplish what you want. But it's not an overnight thing. Yeah, um, totally. So that's, that's really great advice. Um, five months you were up there doing that hike. What did you learn about yourself pre-hike? And what did you learn about yourself during the hike? Oh, that's a good question. So pre-hike as in like what kind of, what, what did you were I... capable of? Like what, you know, your, your training, it's maybe you, I, I mean, I don't know. Could you do 5, 10K before you started training? Um, did you have that emotional strength before you started training? What, what did you learn about yourself while training and while you were up there? Yeah, good question. So like before the hike, um, I just... I'm very determined. So I already knew like, I'm just, I'm going to do this. Obviously there's still uncertainty in a lot of like, you know, especially when you tell people you're going to do this and they're like, oh, are you sure about that? Like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. And so you have to constantly like be your own cheerleader and like, um, you know, constantly believe in yourself and be like, you know what, I'm just going to try it. Like you kind of have to go in with a mindset of like, regardless of how things turn out, I'm just going to, yeah, take it step by step, day by day. Just, I'm going to try it, see what happens. Like we're saying, you know, like, at least I'm attempting it. If I don't make it all the way, then that's, you know, at least that I know and that I've tried. But yeah, so like beforehand, I was definitely, you know, had that sort of strong will and like, you know, that mental intent, which is almost more important than the physical. Like, obviously, you still want your body to be up to par and like able to do it. But definitely your mentality is really important. Um, it's like I knew people that were much more fit than me on the trail and they ended up quitting. Um, and so like, you know, you got to just believe in yourself and like try not to, you know, compare yourself to others too much because, you know, everyone has their, is their on their own path. And so, yeah, like beforehand um, and like, yeah, like working out and stuff. Um, I, yeah, I, 
I had a feeling it'd be okay, but also like, you never know, like my, you know, one of my knees isn't as great. So, you know, sometimes I have a knee pain and stuff like that. So I thought maybe like, that's something that would like set me back. Um, but yeah, then when I started hiking, yeah, you kind of really discover like what your limits are and like how, like you never, one thing is like, you never, you're never going to know your limits unless you push yourself and like kind of get to that point. And so definitely while hiking, I, I discovered like what I'm capable of and like, I'm definitely capable of more than I thought I could, like thought I would be. And, um, yeah, just like discovering that, like the per the amount of perseverance and determination that I have something I definitely discovered. And just like the fact that like my body is, um, very like able to endure all kinds of different pain and different issues and able to kind of like heal itself along the way, or just, you know, just the things that you're able to even just put up with while you're out there and like kind of suffering you go through. Um, yeah, you learn a lot about that. And people often talk about something like that and, and something like running. Oh, it's, you know, it's an individual sport. It's actually not like you're, you're, I feel like you're battling multiple personalities within yourself and trying to <laughs> overcome the, the negative talk that you put on yourself in order to maybe take that extra mile or that, even totally. that extra step or even do that extra push up, whatever that case may be. Yeah, um, totally. That's so, a good way of putting it. Right. It's, it's multiple. I mean, I personally, I'm a runner and, and I'm a marathon runner. I haven't done one in a while, but people are well, it's not a team sport. Sure it is. Cause I'm, I'm telling myself, well, I don't feel like going out today. Uh, I don't feel like I can do it today. Now that's multiple personalities. That's not, that's a team game to me. Uh, yeah, I'm talking totally. myself out of myself. <laughs> right? Totally. Yeah, exactly. Like on the trail too. Yeah. You definitely have those different voices in your head where it's like, okay, come on, we can do this. Just keep going. And then the other one's like, oh my gosh, like I need to stop. I need, I can't do this. Or like, especially I found like, especially like in the beginning too, like the last two miles, like I usually had like a goal, of, like, okay, I want to reach this many miles. And then always like the last two miles before reaching that goal, it would get really, really difficult because you're just like tired, exhausted, like everything, you're just in pain. And it's just like, you have to, it's a big mental battle. Just like, Hey, you can do it. Just keep going. Just like, you kind of just get into this sort of Zen zone where you just like focus, like you don't think of anything. Like you kind of just like focus on just like walking and like just every step and you just focus on that. And eventually you will get to your destination, but it is difficult. Correct. Yeah. What are some of the most poignant takeaways you took when you accomplished it? Um, one of them is that, um, you can accomplish anything Like you can really do anything you put your mind to. Um, as long as you take it step by step and day by day, you can get very far. Like as long as, you know, no dream is too big. If you just, you know, really break it down and just, you know, go in like bite-sized chunks, like you'll get there. Like I, when I finished, I was just like amazed that it's just crazy to look at the map and be like, oh my gosh, like my legs brought me from A to B. Like, that's just insane. Right. Cause you know, you think of like nowadays people like, you know, flying to places or driving to places, but like walking the whole way, like not a lot of people do that in that kind of distance. And so it was just really cool to kind of see that. And also as a biologist, it was really cool to just like go through all those different like landscapes and terrains and like observe all the different um, types of flora and fauna along the way and how that like slowly transgressed into like um, different, different things. And it was just really cool. And, like it gives you a different sense of like, uh, animal migration patterns and like you know we think oh my god that's a huge distance that these birds are flying or these you know cougars are traveling or elk but then when you actually walk it's like oh no like that's achievable like it's I don't know really like makes the world seem smaller than what it is another big takeaway too is just like yeah I guess just the amount of like determination like perseverance and just like the grit um and like those, those characteristics I really discovered in myself um and those are definitely things that I will take with me throughout life and just even just knowing like I did it. Like I did this big giant thing that like people had told me that I shouldn't do or thought that I couldn't do. 
And then having to actually have done it, it's like, wow, okay, that, that kind of gives you, that's empowering. And it gives me the fuel for like even bigger adventures, even bigger, like sort of uh, challenges. So that was just another really cool thing. And another thing too, is just like getting outside of nature is so important, like just unplugging from technology and um, just like being immersed in nature, like it's just so good for your mental and physical health. Like, even if you're not like an outdoorsy person, like I encourage everyone to just get out on a local trail or just even if you can't get out there, like get to a park or just somewhere where you're kind of away from sort of civilization, the busyness of everyday life and just like out in like among trees and nature. And like, it just really puts things into different perspective that we're kind of like, you know, we're connected to the whole system, even if we think we're sort of a part of like, outside of that, but we're really, you know, we're part of like this web of life. And it's just important to kind of remember that, reconnect with that. I couldn't have put that better myself. That was beautiful. That was lovely. Thank you. Uh, over a span of 2,600 miles, some of the challenges that you had to overcome, can you, you know, share some of those memorable moments and, uh, and, and, you know, how did you, how did you overcome those bigger challenges? Um, yeah. So definitely in the beginning, like the desert section, um, the biggest challenge is water and heat. Like heat is, it's tough, you know, you're out in the desert and, you know, there's like low lying shrubs and things like that. Not a lot of like shade. Um, and it just gets really hot. Like it gets over 30 degrees easily. And uh, I'm not much of a, um, a warm weather person. Like, of course I enjoy it, but like that kind of heat, like, oh, it's really tough on my body. So that was definitely a big challenge for me. And so always like kind of making sure like I'm not overdoing it because you really don't want to get heat exhaustion or heat stroke when you're out there. Cause you're, yeah, it's remote. You're really out on your own and you want to make sure like you're always thinking like survival wise, like you want to take care of yourself. And so um, the way I kind of like dealt with that is just, I built up a routine where like I'd get up at like 4 a.m., start hiking until like 10 a.m. And then by then it was like really hot. So I would just like try to find some shade. Usually, hopefully like I'd aim for like a water source, hopefully like get there. And then I could like stay there until like 3 p.m. When it started to get a little, like when the temperature started to get a bit more reasonable. And then mm -hmm. I'd start hiking again until like evening. So that was like a good way of like dealing with that. Um, and then, yeah, with water, like it's constantly on your mind. Like, you know, you think like, oh yeah, just hiking, you know, it's just really enjoyable. You're just going out there. No, like you're constantly thinking like it's stressful. Like you're constantly thinking like, how much water do I have? How much do I need? How, how far am I away from the next water source? Like what if that water source is dry? What am I going to do? Like, you're just always thinking about like worst case scenarios, thinking about your water and like always thinking about, okay, when you get to the water source, how much am I going to need for the next water source? Like you have to always like gauge sort of like, and like, you know, thinking about rationing water. So that's a big one. Um, so yeah, definitely in the, in the desert, that's a, that's a big part. Um, later on, like in Northern California, Oregon, wildfires becomes a, a big challenge. So um, definitely last year, big wildfire season. So you're kind of always thinking about that and like trying to always like monitor, like usually when I would get into town, I would always check like the wildfire map, make sure things are fine. And usually like the Pacific Crest Trail, like they'll post it on their website, like it'll if they close a section of trail due to a wildfire, like usually they'll notify hikers, but still sometimes you don't know, like if you're especially, you know, out in, on the trail, like you don't have access to like the internet or things like that. You have no connection. So you always have to like, kind of just be wary of that. Um, and yeah, what else? Um, yeah. Like, were, like your, the, were your parents worried about you? Uh, yeah, I think they were. <laughs> Um, they were a bit reassured because I had, um, it's called an inReach. So it's like a satellite communication device. And with that, like, it's just like a small device like this. And you can just um, text anyone anywhere in the world. And so, um, or you can like send them like, you can like, a message will send 
like either put a phone number or like an email. And so like, I would, um, you know, send my mom a little message, be like, everything's fine. And then like send that to her. And then with that message, she'll get like a GPS location of where I am. And so she felt like reassured with that. And another good thing about that device is that there's like an SOS button on it. So if anything were to happen, like I would be able to notify search and rescue. So that was also just really reassuring for myself as well. So yeah, that's definitely a device that I highly recommend. It's very helpful. Wow. You know, going back to your water ration, that's how I feel about driving around Ontario, to be honest with you. It, but it, 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 it's more on the gas tank uh, right. ration. <laughs> yeah. I, you can put me in the middle of nowhere and I'll find myself out. But if I don't have gas, I'm freaking out, man. Like I totally, would much yeah. rather have a full gas tank and get lost than especially in the middle of the night in the winter. You know, so I, I can totally understand what you're saying about looking ahead and making sure that you have the absolute bare necessity in order mm. to make that next mile, that next half mile, that next step. Um, yeah. So that's that's an amazing kind of skill to have as far as plan, uh, yeah. and not and not so much depend on your phone, but also depend on your humanity, your human nature, to be able to now know what you need, what you want, and to ensure that you have enough of it to continue. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Another one too is like um, wildlife as well. Like you're definitely going through like bear territory and like cougar territory so you always like you're that's always in the back of your mind as well like just being like okay like you know if you know you're sometimes you can tell like okay this is definitely an area where bears would be like you just try to I don't know sing to yourself or try to be loud or just like you know be very observant and just like kind of watch um for things like there are definitely like several bear encounters I had um but each of those like thankfully the bears would just like run away like these it's crazy how fast they can run like these giant things just barrel through the forest like it's wild but thankfully like that was always sort of the reaction I had so that was reassuring for me um there was one time where I encountered I was just coming around a corner and then there was this bear and her, um mama bear and her cub and thankfully like right away when they saw me like the cub like booted it to like a tree and like went right up to a tree it was like really small bear too um and then its mom thankfully like ran ran away into the woods like huffing away but I was like oh, okay like thankfully like that went um, as optimally as it could have um, but that was definitely something I always was kind of worried about you know encountering a, a mom and her cub is always like the most sort of dangerous sure you know? of course I mean I walk on the other side of the street when I see Canada geese full disclosure <laughs> yeah. and that's in the middle of the city full disclosure yeah. much less seeing a mama bear that that is an incredible sight and incredible yeah. experience but thankfully it turned out okay yeah yeah right and and Oh, I was just going to say too, like there was another time where um, I saw a wolf on the trail, um, like a gray wolf in Washington. And um, that was like kind of my first wolf encounter of the hike. And thankfully that went well as well. Like the wolf was not very far, maybe like 40, 50 meters away, like just up the trail. And I saw it kind of like it poked its head out of the woods. And I was like, whoa, like that's a big dog, right? Wow. <laughs> and then it, like came out and we just kind of stared at each other and then it like sauntered off like into the woods again. So like thankfully that went well as well. But then of course, after an encounter like that, you're thinking, you're, you're always like looking over your shoulder, like make sure it didn't, didn't come back. I don't know. You didn't send your mom that message, right? Hey, just saw no. her. No. <laughs> no. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did your how did your childhood influence your love of travel and your love for the natural environment? Oh yeah, good question. Um, so I grew up on a farm in southern Ontario. And so like I grew up always like going out to the woods or like, you know, adventuring kind of on my own or with my siblings. Um, it was just always something I really liked to do. I was always sort of like drawn to nature and the environment. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that kind of like 
sort of uh, inspired my love for adventure. And then I don't know, I just always really enjoyed traveling because I just love like experiencing different like places, different cultures, different things. And um, like when I was really young, um, we would go on like road trips as a family to like um, Canadian farm conventions. And so that was kind of my exposure as a young child going there going to Saskatchewan or going to like Manitoba or like the East Coast and like getting to like see different places. Um, but then like later on, like as I, you know, in my late teens, um, I like traveled to France or traveled um, throughout Europe or South America. And so I've just, I don't know, I've just always loved like traveling and loved just like uh, testing myself and like challenging myself and just seeing, like putting myself in situations to see like how I can handle it or how, yeah, just how I would enjoy it. So um, yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah. <laughs> awesome. You know, um, you've done Iceland's famed Ring Road solo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, there are very few gas stations around Iceland's Ring Road, so I would I would creep out, much less do it solo. You embarked on a three and a half month long road trip from Brantford, Ontario, your hometown, to Alaska solo. Um, you know, do you know that you're an inspiration? Do you know it, or is it is it something like if I tell you that you're an inspiration, or someone else tells you, you kind of brush it off yeah probably the latter I don't know obviously obviously I I would love to I love to I would love to inspire people and like I want you know I want to encourage people you know pursue your passions do your thing but I guess like for me it's just I do I I do whatever goals I have in mind and just like do them and go for it and like for me I mean of course like before I embark on an adventure I'm like oh like this would be so crazy and then when I do it it's kind of just like okay cool I did it like it's less of like I don't know it's less of a big deal you know once you've done it but thank you like I I appreciate that (laughs) No, for sure. And I, for me, I, that feels as if, you, you know, I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to speak for you. I think you brush it off because you want to do so much more. And maybe that, yeah. in your mind that it's, it's, it's not enough yet. And that, correct me if I'm wrong, am I on the right track? Yeah, no, you totally are, actually. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. That's probably it. Um, you're insatiable. Yeah, in my mind, yeah, exactly. Like, in my mind, I'm, like, I'm always on to the next big thing. And like, um, yeah, I guess for me, it's like, okay, well, okay, I did that, but like, that's not the big thing yet. Or I don't know, it just kind of like, I guess you get addicted to it as well. And maybe you're like, okay, well, what's an even crazier thing I could do? Or just, I don't know, just yeah, building up your own sort of um, rapport of like doing these things. But I guess you're right. Yeah, that's probably why I feel like that. Well, that said, how do you, how do you immerse yourself in a moment while you're in the moment? Hmm. So do you, you, do you meditate, do you take a deep breath? Do you kind of look around? Um, uh, for me personally, it's 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 tough because again, it's that insatiable spirit of go, 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 go. Right. Um, but I've been told, hey man, uh enjoy the moment, like you're actually doing it or you've actually done it. So th- the question that I always take away is, well, how do I put myself in the moment while I'm there to yeah. be able to appreciate what I'm doing in the moment? No, yeah, you're right. That's a good question, right? Because like, you know, you want to do these things, but then you also I also have to make sure that okay let's let's be in the present like we're doing what we wanted to do and so yeah definitely um throughout the hike or other things like I of course have other things like okay like next I want to do this next I want to do that right but it's like you have to always like bring yourself back and be like hey no like let's just enjoy this for right now because we're never this experience will never come back again you'll never be able to relive this again so you want to really make sure that you are enjoying the present moment and for me um yeah like I I meditate or I just like just try to really take it all in as much as I can, like taking my surroundings, especially while I'm hiking. I just like really try to just sort of like immerse myself in that experience and um, try not to think too much about like what I want to do next. Of course, it's on my mind as well, but like I try to like not let overtake my thoughts. I definitely 
And, and when I'm traveling or doing things, like I'm, I'm definitely able to live in the present. And I think that's another thing why I enjoy it so much is because like doing these things or like traveling or being out in nature, it allows me to immerse myself in the present moment, like, you know, because other distractions are kind of put aside. And so I'm like, you know, when I'm actually um, doing the thing that I always wanted to do, I, yeah, I definitely find myself able to um, be in the moment, live in the present and just, you know, take it for what it is and enjoy it. Right. Uh, I have three rapid fire questions for you and there's nothing rapid about it. Take your time. Uh, there's no time limit. <laughs> All right. um, but what is the most important lesson you've learned in life so far? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Honestly. Um, yeah, probably just like your mindset is something that, you know, a good mindset is something that anyone can have and no one can take away from you. So I think like, just having a good mindset about things is really important. And yeah, just like, you know, dare to dream, like dream, dream big and um, believe in yourself. I think that's, those are really important. If you could change one thing about the world, what would that one thing be? Um, if I could change one thing about the world, oh, there's so many, but I guess one would be just that I, I would wish that everyone would have more respect for nature or more, um, I guess just care more about like our earth and like nature and um, yeah, just be more respectful about it. Where do you think your soul lives? Where? Oh my gosh. That's a good question. Um, like a place or. That is subjective. <laughs> that is subjective. Okay. That could be where a place. That could be a moment. That could be a person. Where does, where do you feel your soul lives? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. I don't think I have a good answer for that. I think that is something someone something I would definitely have to think more about. Um, that is a good question. <laughs> head of head to please do guys head to pursuitofexploration.com. Learn about Isabel's road trip adventures and van life living, if I may say. We didn't touch yeah. on that in the podcast, but it, it is fascinating. And the environmental research that she's doing and what she plans on doing next. You are a busy young woman. And I'm super happy that you joined me today on the Fact Up podcast. It was my pleasure to meet you and to um, be inspired myself. I don't think we can ever have enough inspiration. And where we find it, um, we should um, sit and immerse ourselves in that moment and be inspired by it. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed being on your podcast. Thank you so much.